0: Passionate DJ podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael.
1: This is the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm David, your host. With me is Trip, Yo, and Tony Seth. How you guys doing? Uh, you know, and we've got a special guest in the room. The one, the only, Mister Infamous. Dingo.
2: yay!
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Welcome you, aboard. Huge honor. Huge honor. Seriously, it's uh, it's nice to have you on. So it's you have kind of an interesting history with the passionate DJ podcast already. Actually, yes, I do. Yeah, about yeah, how I
3: found you guys is uh, kind of interesting. I was on a all expense paid trip to Southwest Asia, courtesy of the United States government, <laughs> and uh, was kind of had some downtime one day, and we just sort of surfing the internet on how I could find some ways to become a better DJ. And ironically, you know, I had typed in, I don't even remember exactly what I typed in, but y'all were the first thing that popped up. So started listening and was even more stoked to find out that you guys were actually in my hometown or where I'm currently stationed. Yeah, if you haven't figured it out, I work for Uncle Sugar,
1: um, <laughs> which already a pretty crazy coincidence. Just that you were deployed and just did a search, and then happened to find somebody from back home, correct? A show from back home that was speaking your language, <laughs> yeah. And then come to, and then the whole
3: thing would trip. Yeah, that's a whole other story in itself. Yeah. I'm sure, we'll just, we'll gloss at another time. But uh, yeah, just really super excited to find some remote mentorship. Uh, there were a handful of DJs at uh, my location, and got to really learn a lot about, you know, house music and stuff like that. I had a little bit of history growing up in Japan, like I said, both my parents were in the service as well, so that's where I was first kind of introduced to dance music, as, as it's all kind of framed together. So,
1: okay, great, yeah, we'll be asking you about that. That's uh, I have no idea what what it's like to discover music in Japan. So,
0: right.
3: <laughs>
1: You know especially considering the time period what what time period was this uh I was there
3: I was there well in high school so that was from eighty eight to ninety two
1: okay so yeah there. what's it like to discover music in Japan before the internet you know it would be interesting to i mean it's we all have that kind of story where we we found music other ways than maybe kids today do, but mm. you know I wonder what the cultural differences are there um I mean is it did you find we're kind of diving into the topic? Yeah, already, I was gonna but, say let's just
0: roll with that. Yeah,
1: did you let's did to you, discuss today's topic? <laughs> did you find? Did you find? Well, first of all, was it house music?
3: Well, that caught your attention. It was actually techno. Okay, was the first thing that uh, I ever stumbled onto. It was. Uh, I'd been in country maybe about six months or so, and just was starting to make some friends, and then we went to a just a music spot, and we're walking in, and I'm not really. Knowing what to expect, because at the time before I moved over there, I was living in Southern California. So that's when the big, you know, NWA, Ice mm-hmm. T, all that West Coast stuff, too short, you know, was just starting to, you know, pop off. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, let's uh, move you to the other side of the pond there. And so I was kind of a little nervous on what I was going to be exposed to over there. But come to find out, getting over there, it's just like living in a small town in
2: really? the United
3: States because I was on a military installation. Mm-hmm. So along with that, now back, of course, there wasn't the internet age. So you were a little bit slower to get up to speed on music and fashion and just contemporary stuff. We were you know, we would get the Super Bowl like on Monday morning because of the time difference. But yeah. Things like television shows, you know, where you're like a week to two weeks late. Movies are probably like maybe three months or so after they were released in the US. Okay. So but music, ironically, over there is pretty was still at the time still pretty fast to get produced and be released because back then we still had tower records which you know in the states back when i was a kid was it was either there or, or i think uh what was it block i think they still had blockbuster back then mm-hmm. maybe we just started or i can't remember the other joint but there were that was really the only place you could buy music but, but tower records was pretty big in japan well going back to the original piece of the story you know, we went to a club and then i'm just hearing this this music you know, i'm not quite sure what it is but it's like it's making me like want to move and dance, and, you know, just like boom, boom, boom. And it come to find out later on it was a L.A. style, James Brown is dead. And I clearly remember it because uh, okay. I was like, that's kind of crappy. James Brown's like a cool dude. He shouldn't be dead. But then, you know, just that <laughs> four to the floor, just bang, 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 bang. And I was right. like, what is this? And uh, I kind of got interested and then just dug more and more into it, just tried to find out, well, where can I find more of this music? And, you know, having a bit of a language barrier, because obviously, I, you know, I hadn't, my Japanese wasn't fully up to speed. So just kind of through, you know, really broken Japanese and their broken English, <laughs> trying to find out who these artists were and finding out just what this music was all about. And that was my original intro
1: into you know dance music so you came in through the club scene correct in a foreign country and that's correct. Kind, of, kind of fascinating so d- did you have any exposure to any kind of i guess we should clarify we're talking about uh the how i fell for dance music and we say i, I'm I was more it, accosted by dance music yeah <laughs> it took me over Yeah, you know, so right well, and in, in, we got to say, you know, dance music, you know, I could have used any number of terms there. Could have said sure. EDM, could have said electronic music, could have said techno, whatever. Um, Trying not to get too much into petty semantics with that. So dance music seemed the most generic. We don't have to strict, you know, st- stick to any strict definition here. Uh, but what we're generally talking about is how did we get to the musical taste that we're into now as far as that kind of edm electronic dance music scene goes how did we get here so just to kind of sure. since we didn't really properly introduce no, okay, the topic no, here,
0: need,
1: dive on uh, in sorry my bad blame the rookie no no <laughs> I, I, I jumped right in there so um so you you didn't really have any uh, prior history with that kind of music not like when you the, were in the not states with the, or electronic style okay dance music what uh, were you into before that Mostly rap, because it was a new
3: thing. Um, You know, the world's most dangerous band, you know, was coming around. And uh, I mean, my parents growing up were into Motown and all that stuff. So, you know, all that, you know, Jackson's, you know, all that good stuff that you were listening on the radio at the time when radio was a little bit more relevant. And so I always my, my family always had music playing, you know, whether they were cooking or whether my dad was. Uh, Cutting the grass. There was always music around.
0: Yep, same here.
3: Um, I listened to a lot of rack, or sorry, rock. Okay. Um, and just because of where I was at in Southern California, a little bit more inland, off the coast. And the, like I said, the rap thing was new. And it was kind of like almost a little bit, not necessarily taboo, mm-hmm. but people weren't quite embracing it because it was still a little scary at the time. So I was like kind of one of those closet rap, rap listeners i think someone when <laughs> y'all talked about having uh like easy e but you taped you had a billy joel tape or something <laughs> right. yeah, so that way your parents didn't find out that you were, <laughs> you were listening to the, the devil that's person. right, right. Yep. You know? yep. so you know taking that with me and moving over to japan and, and kind of just being overtaken by that you know it really kind of steered myself more towards that dancey style type of music now you know i still listen to rap still listen to rock you know, i don't really Listen to one particular type of music, sure. But as far as a DJ, like I feel like my heart is in that dance music genre.
1: So can you kind of, and we're like putting you on the spot right off the bat here. But can you kind of describe what your sound is like now, and what do you do as a DJ now, and how well, how does that compare to what you were introduced to?
3: So what I kind of do now, um, as far as the DJ aspect of how I get out and spin in public, is actually through through fitness events. Okay. Uh, more specifically, CrossFit competitions. Awesome. Um, I'm involved, I work for a couple companies, uh, one out of Texas and one is kind of national. And, I was actually introduced to that method of DJing by a guy by the name of Chris Kepler. He uh, owns a CrossFit gym called CrossFit Central. Shout out, Chris. djk 2 Out of uh, Austin, Texas. And, I'd never seen someone play live music at a fitness competition, but at the same time observe the athletes and see how they responded to the music that they were playing. I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And so getting to develop a relationship with Chris and just kind of picking his brain, you know he'd give me some music, I'd, I'd try things out. And then I finally got to the point where I had an opportunity to do that. And so back to the dance music piece of it, obviously when someone is lifting a lot of heavy weight or doing lots of pull-ups or sit-ups or anything like that, uh, having something in the background to take your mind off being in the pain
1: cave, I f- you know, athletes find to be very helpful. Especially something that has such a steady ongoing beat, something like a four-to-the-floor, exactly. to the, floor, four to know, the house beat
3: or... But then even uh, within those types of competitions, because generally they'll have like several events yeah, and something will be like really fast and hard. Like you're trying to accomplish a certain amount of, a task in a, you know, in the shortest time possible. So you okay. want to play that four to the floor, just boom, 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 just going constantly. Right. And then another event might call for something where you have to do a heavy lift, you know, mm. two times maximum heavy lift. So, you know, I'm not going to be throwing like, you know, some happy hardcore or anything like that. Cause you know, someone will <laughs> just totally to get gassed out. So then, you know, I hurt might themselves. throw exactly hurt right. themselves. So I might throw like a really slow, deep house track on there. Just something really, you know, you know, one fifteen, one ten ish.
1: So this or, is very. And let re- them get in the zone. And let them
3: get in the yeah, zone. Gotcha.
1: This is a very reactive type of DJing. Then. Correct. You're. you're- you have your own form of hypersensitive kind of crowd reading. that Correct. you Probably have to do, which is the one whole of the time. hardest
2: uh, things about DJing is crowd reading. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That can be a tough gig. Is that something that you have taken to, or do you find it difficult to to match those energy levels, or is that something that you you picked up on pretty quickly? I think
3: it's easier for me because I'm a, I'm an athlete. You do it. Anyway. I do it, and I, and I DJ for it, so I know what I need to hear during those types of things. Nice. So like if I just need to get something real heavy up once or twice, I need to get something that's going to get me hyped and motivated. So I might drop some Pantera in there. Nice. nice. Um, if I know it's something that I have to do a particular task, you know, repeatedly for, you know, 15 minutes. Okay. I need something that's going to carry me along and just help me stay in a rhythm and, and maintain a pace. Um, when
0: I, not that I've seen the inside of a gym (laughs) in a long time, but (laughs) as I'm pointing to this spare tire that I've been carrying around, but, uh, uh, when I am in a gym, I'm very much the same way. Like I, I, I have very specific like playlists for very specific things. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be on a treadmill for a while, then yeah, give me something that's got you know a constant rhythm, something that you know. And maybe that's the ex-military in me that you know, give me something I can yeah. practically mm-hmm. march to or yeah. stay in time with that
3: cadence. Yeah, yeah.
0: right. But uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm hitting weight machines or something like that, then yeah, it's, most of the time it's drum and bass. But every now and then, some Pantera, Deftones, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah,
3: yeah. For sure so you know having to read the crowd because i know you guys talk about that a lot and i've really listened to what you guys have to say about that it's uh i think it's key to helping create an experience that the athletes at the end of the day will one either don't even notice i was there or two they come up to me at the end of the event and they're like dude thanks for playing the music you know you nice. dropped x y and z at this time and i just you, you got me that extra rep you know but the the enjoyable enjoyable piece for me is like I'm I'll be sitting there DJing and like in the middle of whatever their event is I'll see someone off to the side just yeah just like, <laughs> yeah. Like getting
0: like nodding
1: you know so this is cool to talk about because I think so many of us DJs get kind of caught in this loop in our heads to where we we think that the only types of gigs that exist are bar and club gigs mm-hmm. or weddings and you know what I mean and, stuff and like festivals. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, this CrossFit thing is, is a perfect example of, of how useful the human touch is when it comes to, you know, because you, you're, you have context, you have perspective on mm-hmm. this, you know, you're approaching this from both angles. Hey, I'm into the fitness side, I'm into the music side, and I know where that synergy is. Mm-hmm. And so you're using that knowledge and that talent to, you know, put that together and be more than an iPod as a exactly. you know. Right.
3: Yeah, and I, I try and, uh, like you said, create a scene for yourself. You, know, yeah. you could very much easily as a gym owner or a competition director, just go ahead and throw on Pandora. Right. sure. but right. Pandora doesn't know you know what kind of workout's going on, what the conditions are. Pandora can't see an athlete you know nodding his head. yeah right. you know so the
1: instructor could go over and skip every couple of tracks yep. and then break the whole flow and or you could have a guy. Or you Al know. focusing on this the whole time, yeah, where or, that's their own job. Is. Or I really like when I
3: start dropping like some old school stuff, like towards the end, like when they're just ready to get get to it and get it done. You know, like I see a guy over here doing the Running Man, you know, <laughs> I see it, a girl over here doing the Cabbage Patch. I'm like, okay, now now I'm in their heads. Now yeah, yeah it gives now I got them that you. last little bit of boost exactly. that they need to finish up. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and that's where you get that intrinsic sense of you know reward because you've worked hard to study your music and to study the psychology of the athletes. And if you're helping them get that one rep, you know, or just helping them just
1: hold on one second longer, you know, then I've done my job. And I, I mean, I, am not the example of the person that goes to the gym either. I mean, I've, I i do not think I've ever just gone to <laughs> the Hey, well I got a garage gym. full of stuff over there. <laughs> <laughs> I right. gentlemen are more than welcome to come over. But I, I do know that that works because there have been nights, um, a lot of nights per year that it's just like I get out there and start dancing and then mm-hmm. the right couple of songs in a row come on and it's like all right, five more minutes, yeah. five more, you know, and it's just it just keeps it's like the Pied Piper, you know, it just keeps yeah. you out there and keeps your feet moving and I can imagine that when your entire goal is to be moving mm-hmm. that that's a pretty powerful motivator. And I'm sure all of us
3: in here, you know, in our younger days, you know, have danced ourselves sober. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. So, you know, the power of music to overcome any, you know, psychological or physical obstacle you might have in front of you is is really cool. And I'm glad
1: to be able to have that ability to help those athletes, you know, in that aspect. Yeah, no doubt. So when, uh, kind of going back to where you discovered the music in Japan, and mm-hmm. uh, when you hear, certain kinds of music now, does it, is there a nostalgia factor that brings you back there to that place or it's is definite. it so
3: different No, No, not definitely because uh, I've lived in Japan actually three times so once when I was okay. an infant, lived there till I think I was about five or six, uh, went back for high school and then actually I think I'd been in the service maybe three years and went back to a different part of Japan so this is uh, around 95-ish and that you know, when we talk about the the rave scene, how it's kind of picking up, it's, it, of course, you know, Japan is a culture where they adopt popular things. At least, yeah. the, you know, your, your 18 to 25-year-olds. They're, they're very into and very sensitive to Western culture. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the dance scene was getting pretty big. So it was fairly common. You go down to uh, certain parts of downtown Tokyo on a Sunday and, and whatever is pretty popular in the U.S., you're going to see mimic there. So, you know, seeing kids in their big jinkos and pacifiers and rocking all their, you know, their their club candy and stuff like that, you know, was fairly common. So that's when I actually learned about uh, Jungle and Drum and Bass Hmm. my second time back. Really got interested in that because, I mean, who doesn't love Jungle and Drum and Bass? You know, it's very primal. You know, it taps into that lizard brain that everybody <laughs> that everybody can get down to. You know, whether or not you like it, you know, you'll sit there and you'll nod your head. Yeah, right. you fight it as much as you it, want. It, you it'll will find you come. eventually. Yeah, it will find you.
0: I, what I really like, as a side note, is is like when uh, we had Jack, Mr. Shifter, on here, and we kind of did the whole like DNB one hundred and one, you know, kind of thing. Love that episode. Talked about you know the history of it and you know, his journey through it where he ended up finding, like, liquid funk. Yeah. And, you know, that... For everybody that didn't like drum and bass, jungle, and neurofunk, you know, the really aggressive, dark side of drum and bass, that that primal uh, part of it, you know, then here comes liquid funk. And then all of a sudden, you bring in all of these new people, but they're still getting down to that same
1: bass rhythm
2: just mm-hmm. that
0: that, mm-hmm. that shuffle the, and, and the break and the,
1: all of that so I, I very quickly learned not to write off entire genres of music just because of my first impressions of them because except for happy hardcore uh, well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> except happy hardcore
1: <laughs> comma true that because, true that I mean who got time for that you know <laughs> I'll sit and, and cut up with you know DJ buddies about this or that style or or whatever big obnoxious dubstep track has come out right. recently or or whatever. But I mean, there there really is. There's we I've brought this up before. I know you're going to cringe, but there's two or three country songs that I like, and I can't stand most country. Right. You know? it's, so it's yeah. Like, same here. Yeah. But the couple that I found is like, whoa! I'm so glad I didn't write this off. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I I think that's important. I think that. DJs, you can be a better DJ by realizing that because it kind of opens your broadens your horizons to what you're willing to accept and and elements that you're willing to bring into your own sets.
0: Well, and especially for DJs who aspire to be producers as well, because you know, as a producer, there's even even though there's nothing that I've really put out that is, you know, that could be classified as blues. But, like, I listen to a ton of blues. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so you pick up on, you know, certain, like, you know, either chord progressions or certain riffs and things like that. And then, you know, you, you those things get stuck in your head. And you bring that in mm-hmm. and you work with that idea. And then you come up with something else out of that. You know, so the more that you can actually broaden your horizons and listen to more things, it can only make you more flexible, mm. for sure.
1: So, Tony... Let's turn on the Wayback Machine, man. I mean, does it. We we need to add like a sound effect in there. Going back in time thing. Um, uh, That's
2: Scooby Doo. (laughs) (laughs) Let me grab my flux capacitor real quick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Damn
3: it! Who do double parked the Delorean? <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> so I know you've talked a lot about uh, the, you know, your introduction to the rave scene and the Sasha and Digweed era and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, how far back can we trace your love of dance music? Does it start in the skating rink? Does it start before that?
2: It, it definitely starts in the skating rink. Um, if we're talking more along the lines of electronic music. Um, I, 17, 18 years old in the teen clubs, in um, 18 and up clubs. Um, like Mo was saying, James Brown is dead. You know, we, we had a, a, a gay club in Kettering. It was called 1470. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up moving it downtown, and that's the building that Mask took over. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night was their, quote, unquote, straight night. You know, it was their college <laughs> night.
0: <laughs> right? And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I and remember you're, that. you're yeah. talking,
2: you know, 1,500 Fifteen hundred kids, you know, yeah. lined all the way around the building to get in. It was, it was, it was amazing.
1: That is so interesting. Like I, I, I know why you're laughing there. It's like you set up the gay club and then you have straight, straight night. night yeah. And like now, it's it's just almost like the gay club is just a, club. a general mix. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a sign of the times from not long ago to right. how quickly that's yeah, changed. Right. Sorry, yeah. go
2: ahead. No, you're fine. Um, so on those on those nights, they played more of the. Um, the taboo style music, you know, the industrial front 242. Mm. The Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch it, Nails. Be, yeah. <laughs> even even back then, <laughs> Too Unlimited. <laughs> too Unlimited, Get Ready For This. Yeah. That's when oh, all yeah, that was, yeah. you know, that was just breaking ground. Um, And I loved it. You know, it was great. But I really, I didn't research it. I knew that I liked it. Um, I was still, I was DJing at the time, but I was DJing in the top 40 clubs. Um, So in the top 40 clubs... You know, I was playing from Fresh Prince to Prince, you know, all, all your typical top 40, Woop, there it is, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And later on in the night, I started to play those things, just one or two songs, but couldn't get anybody to really to mm-hmm. dig it, you know. Um, you know what you were missing? Cowbell. <laughs> the Venga Boys. The <laughs>
1: venga bus is coming, and everybody's jumping. As we sorry. all bop around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did we still sure that
3: commercial with the creepy guy here for Great America, with that dude, that creepy old man doing the running man to that Vega Boy song? I don't, I don't, I don't I remember a commercial. Vaguely
2: yeah. remember a commercial. Yeah, I remember that song that in it. But,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but we digress.
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> um so a friend of mine, the, the same guy that introduced me to the Renaissance CD, came into the club one night. It was about 1.30 in the morning. And he said, hey, when you get off, let's go to this rave. And I'd only heard of raves. I had no idea they were even around here whatsoever. Um, went to a rave, and it was, where was it? It was in Springfield. And I walked into this warehouse just, So many people getting into what the DJ was doing, you know, it was it it blew my mind because here I am in a top forty club and I still mixed. I was scratching. I mean, I was I was getting down, but I was in a back corner. Nobody really cared. All they cared about is, you know, are you going to play the next jam? When are you going to play this? You know, what a top forty club consists of. Next song that they can bump and grind to, and that's they don't really care about what the DJ does. Right. So when I walked into this rave. And I just witnessed all these people so in tune with what the DJ was doing. I instantly fell in love, and I'm like, "Wow, wow, this is amazing!" So that's when I started to dive more into electronic Better music a little bit. Yeah, and and even then, I didn't know um, I didn't know techno from house, from trance to.
1: I still don't.
2: You know to any of it, right? <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know the difference between any of it. You know, you could you could buy 12 inches at parties, you know, mm. buy mixtapes, everything, but I just bought random records. I couldn't listen to them. I just bought them whatever. Mm. Took them home, listened to them. Still have a bunch to this day. But when I really found out about trance, that's what really pulled me in, just mm-hmm. progressive trance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I started digging more and more and more when I went into record shops and things and looking for trance, and and that's what really, really pulled me in because I was like, oh, okay, this is the same sound as Renaissance, as Sasha and Digley. Mm-hmm. This is really, you know, what I've been looking oh, that's for. that's what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, um, but still, even back then, you couldn't find those tracks that those guys were playing, you yeah, know? Yeah, right. Um, but that's really what,
0: not unless you were on the balance promote R- record right, pool record pool <laughs> yeah
3: yeah and who could afford that back then
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, there were a couple, there was a couple of us locally that were able, if, if you weren't on it, then you knew somebody who was, and you were able to like, you know, get their throwaways or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But yeah, I mean, those, those types of tracks that he's talking about, man, those, I mean, especially the white labels. Oh, I, was, I mean, as soon as they hit like our, our local record stores, uh, like, you know, in, in Cincinnati, we're like, um, uh, Hot wax and Culture head. Seven, yeah.
2: Culture Seven was in the back of a tuxedo shop.
0: That <laughs> nice, was in nice. Cincinnati, but
2: they ended up actually moving it to. Somebody bought it and moved it to Columbus. Oh, yeah. I but it was say, originally I Culture Seven
0: was in Columbus. Yeah, it was
2: originally in Cincinnati. A no uh, guy named Steve Tominelli. Uh, had a tuxedo shop out front, and you walk in the back of the tuxedo shop on a record. I mean, he had. Did
3: you have to do a secret knock or something? No, not at all. You, <laughs> right? I mean, he had
2: he had record bins filled with twenty five cent promos wow. that were just amazing promos. I mean, yeah. they were yeah. yeah needles in a haystack. But yeah, no whenever joke.
0: those white labels came, you know, at least to the record stores, you know, those were usually the first things to go. To go. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. If you really want to talk about dance music and electronic music, that was my, that was my entry, you know, to falling in love with it. But I've always been into dance music because, like I said, and many times before on the podcast, I was dancing on skates in the fourth grade. Yeah, you know, I was break dancing, I was windmilling, back spinning, head spinning, doing it all. Carrying back it on then. cardboard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so. I've always been into some form of dance music. You know, it's always been my love, but electronic music, that's how I fell. It was walking into a rave and witnessing the love that all these kids had for the DJ and what the DJ was actually doing. Nice. And I was was sold on the spot.
0: Which was a lot different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like now, what we talk about when we say, you know, that the that the that the kids love the DJ, you know, they're flocking to all of these shows. They flock to the, the festivals and stuff, and they and they and they ram themselves as close to the stage as they possibly can to get as close as they can, as if it's like a rock star status, mm-hmm. you know. And what Tony's talking about is a whole other ballgame. yeah, it like
2: was it was completely different. It, it
0: was it was more like um like a I I don't know how to like a. Like I say it was more
3: like a relationship. Yeah, it was very much
0: a relationship because like it wasn't like when you came off of that stage, you, if there even was a stage, most of most the time it was, it was table. folding tables, yeah. mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, but it was always like handshakes and thank yous and and, and pictures no and yeah. i mean yeah there were pictures but like not like a oh i gotta get my picture with digital psychosis type yeah. of thing it was more like man that's my dude trip yeah. you know and 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 us djs back then that's how we like grew our network it wasn't just trying to get as many fans as we can so that we can pack the next place to make the promoter the, the most money i mean that was part of it but that was like a fraction of it i can honestly say that most of the people that i that i can that i would have considered as my fans at my peak i would say that i at least 75 percent of them are people that like i at least knew their first name Mm -hmm. like you know sure there were those bigger shows you know two three thousand people or so and you know obviously i don't know all of those people's names but you know, it was just a, a steady rotation of the people that you know. And and you're forming that relationship and raving back then was a lot more about family
3: it was, atmosphere, you know, blur.
0: when... Right, right. It's as cliche and a caricature of, of the term that, that it was, is today. Yeah, that was the well, real it's, deal. The same.
1: it's just hashtag blur now. Right?
0: <laughs> I knew it was destined for uh, the trash can once they started throwing an extra R on there. Like, if you have to say responsibility at the end of all of that, then <laughs> right. you're missing the point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, um, you know, I can always remember when a DJ was mixing and was just writing two songs together and those kids knew when that when those songs came together perfectly and started rising together because house and techno back then it wasn't so progressive as it is today right. it was more it was more loopy mm-hmm. you know but the songs that they combined together and the way they worked the eq to where they broke it down and they did it all kind of themselves within those loops those kids knew like when that Absolutely. bass kicked back in or those, that song just came in with this song perfectly. They knew they just, you know, you could just feel that in the air and they all got into that. Yeah, oh, it yeah. Was, yeah. It was, it was great, but
1: now for a, a hypothesis on, you know, you are talking about the difference between people discovering the music then versus now and the relationship between the, the audience member or whoever in the DJ, um, I think that might have something to to do with pretense. So, for example, the context of somebody discovering music back then was probably from the context of the party. They're going to the mm-hmm, party right. or the rave or whatever, and then they discover the DJ and right. discover that synergy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of kids today, when they discover that, they discover it via YouTube or festival or whatever, and you there's already it. this whole big thing there that they're witnessing. Right. So right. they feel so the like... the manner in which they encounter the music
3: is a lot different. Yeah,
1: and so they feel like what, what they're supposed to do is to treat them like the pop stars and rock stars that they've become and so it just kind of you know keeps that going sure Um, that probably tends to have something to do with why that relationship is different
3: and I think some of that's culture driven too because I saw Derek May back in 97 in Japan you know had a drink with him and then cool you know gravy you know and then fast forward to 2013 he was at Austin City Limits and like once he was done with his set, nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. His handlers right. shuffled him off, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it. I was like, "Oh damn!" I was gonna hope I could say, "Hey, dude, I saw you back in Japan." Blah blah blah. Right. You know, and it was a high probability he would have recalled that that show because he doesn't get to do shows like that anymore. Yeah. You know, that place yeah. was like the size of like a, you know, a small you know twelve hundred square foot house. You know, and here in Austin, he was in this massive, massive club yeah, yeah. Up, up on this dais, you know, <laughs> you know, controlling all the puppets, you know, <laughs> where back in that other show, he was probably on some folding tables, like you said. Right, you know? right.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of that resistance stage <laughs> in oh, Miami, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it there, there's, there's pros and cons to, you know, both things. And, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, got really turned off as, you know, the scene started to die off. You know, uh, and then as it started to, you know, be reborn, the Phoenix coming back up and, you know, it just the, the whole dubstep thing and all of the resurgence, you know, 2008 through 2010. And, you know, now all of a sudden, however it happened now, that's where it went from, you know, the dirty warehouse rave, as we like to call it around here, um, to a more polished, polished. you know, stage show with, you know, you know, I mean... Friendly. Right, like, I mean, that's like excision, you uh-huh. know, with, you know, the, the executioner stage, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is ridiculous. It's, I yeah. mean, and, and then he wasn't the only one, like, feed me, you know, and all of that stuff, like, it, it just, and, and now it's like, Sperlix everybody's like... did the like, Mothership
2: tour, there was a bunch yeah, of Yeah, so
0: now it's like a race to see who can build the biggest, most ridiculous, I mean, you got, um, oh, then you also have, like, destroyed... You know, who like they they have spent millions of dollars, millions, like literally you could watch their documentary. They spent (laughs) millions of dollars on these like crazy cryo suits <laughs> that like keep them cool yeah. like throughout a show and all of that stuff, but it like it all it's all super like futuristic <laughs> and it looks like it came off the set of aliens and special MIDI controllers that like look like kinda guitars and this, that and the other. KJ Sokka's got like this ridiculous drum set going on. Like, you know, it it it's
2: it's all really cool
0: it's all really neat but yeah there's definitely something that that gets lost in that you know from at least from where where the roots are you know I'm you not, just
1: might not call that DJing you know
0: well for sure yeah it's definitely a performance at that point but yeah I mean and I'm not the crotchety old guy that's saying I should
1: all go back. get off my lawn yeah
0: <laughs> I prefer lower back pain you know <laughs> 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 I'm not saying that at all I'm just you know but you know the differences are stark but you know it you just have to keep does. their
2: attention somehow. Yeah. Right?
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and times I, change. Change uh, with the times. Yeah. And I say Absolutely.
3: that goes across genres as well because mm-hmm. I remember yeah. seeing N.W.A. at a fairground in Southern California, you know, where they were just them on a stage just getting it. Right. And then I saw Ice Cube like mid two thousands and like they had this massive production and like he came out of this ice c- cylinder like that dropped from the ceiling and there was like snow and all this stuff in there. You know, but that's what people want, you know, right. because Mountain Dew was sponsoring this tour, so <laughs> they had to do all this stuff. Where right. the there's park, always some
1: some segment that's going to see that uh, that's going to be turned off by that, and then there's going to be the the majority who that wants that demands right. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want mean, I, w- I want the stage, I want the
3: I want the production value along with the music. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I blame Tommy Lee. And That <laughs> damn
2: rotating the drum rotating set. drum set, yeah. absolutely. Right. <laughs> That was the coolest thing. It was.
0: Who plays drums upside down? Tommy Lee plays drums upside down.
1: (laughs) For sure. Um, Well, trip. rock, paper, scissors for the next one? I'll go. All right.
0: Um, (laughs) I had a crazy uh, time throughout my late teens and early 20s, um, and uh, I was out of town for a little while, and uh, when I came back in... um, I met up with some friends and um, one of them said, Hey, we're going to a party. Well, okay. You know, I, I need to stop and get some beer. <laughs> so <laughs> stopped, got some beer, and uh they we ended up going to a party and uh it, and it ironically it was in Springfield and
3: <laughs> <laughs> Where all the magic happens. <laughs>
0: Where all the magic happens, right? Um and uh it, it was it was just one of those things that just, it was, it was, you know, total culture shock because, you know, uh, similar to what Mo said, um, I was really into like rap and hip hop and all of that stuff. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, in the last episode when we did our pick three, you know, like I said, I mean, gangster rap was my ish, you know, that, that, <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's, you just described the nineties for me. If you say gangster <laughs> rap, you know, so, um, My exposure to dance music before that, um, I think I even brought it up in the last episode, was like limited to the things that were like, mainstream, you know, mm-hmm. and by mainstream if it made it on the radio or if it was being played on MTV at any point in time because I, you know,
3: when they used to play music. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Some of you younger
1: folks might not know anything about that. <laughs> Right. MTV stands for Music Television. I saw a meme today that was like <laughs> MTV turns 35, let's celebrate 15 years music. of music or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty dope.
0: Well, and they actually in side note, they actually launched another channel that is like Doesn't classic music no it's it, the, that's the funny part it's classic mtv but they are starting from where they started all the tv shows in the mid 90s so it's only mtv tv shows from the mid 90s forward oh
1: good <laughs> right just what we need
0: <laughs> so like yeah. every that's not how any of this works <laughs> <laughs> right so like wait if that's mtv classic then what is mtv before
3: that like vintage, <laughs> vintage?
0: <laughs> right. <Perhaps>. <laughs> right right <laughs> So, you know, history. so, you know, so, like, for me, it was, like, you know, stuff like Snap and, um, mm. you know, uh, 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 the KLF and, mm, okay. um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ancients of mood. You know, and then, like, it, like my favorite dance track in, in, in that, like, span of my life was mm. DJ Miko's remix of Four Non Blondes' mm. What's Up. <laughs> man and I and like looking back and listening to it now it's super cheesy like I don't know like I didn't know
3: what I didn't know you know what I mean so like
0: don't 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 hurt me but
3: <laughs> this is judgment-free zone brother no right right so I, I think I have the maxi CD single
0: because <laughs> that's the only place you can find it yep. it was on a maxi single
3: yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> Google that
0: kids right um, <laughs> maxi single I haven't heard that in years <laughs> So, um, so yeah. So I, I you know, I, I, I link up with these friends. So we go to this party, and I'm like, "Well, what, wait." And we pull in, and I'm like, "What kind of party is this?" Because all I'm hearing is. <laughs> I'm like, "Where have you brought me?" And mm-hmm. she was like, "Chug the beer." And I'm like, "What?" "Chug your beer. You can't bring it in." "What do you mean I can't bring it in?" Mm-hmm. "What's a party? And she's like, "There's no alcohol here." And I'm like, uh, "What?"
1: Well, what? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. What,
0: what exactly are you trying to what, do to me? Exactly. I'm sitting here thinking, like, did you bring me to, like, you know, some, like, youth group thing? Am I going to <laughs> like, like, lose a kidney? What, what's going <laughs> on? Yeah. You know, like, is this, like, a church function? <laughs> I, I'm not totally sure what's going on here.
1: So um, This was a trick, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so, no, and and then she tells me that it's $25 to get in. I'm what? like, it's what? What? Mm are you nuts? $25 and I can't even drink. And she's like, trust me, please just trust me. Okay. Go in long story. Very short. Had the time of my life. I was the last one to leave. (laughs) Nice. Like (laughs) me and the group of people that I came with, we actually told like, there was like this group of us. We came up in like three cars and we told every single person who drove, nah, screw it. We're staying. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out never mind the fact that we live in cincinnati and this is in springfield so like you about know about an hour <laughs> plus yeah about no an hour Uber plus. Back then right yeah but right so um so the next morning like i think the last dj played at like eight or nine in the morning something mm. like that and that was like after every other stage it's like shutting down or whatever and so like we're like just kind of walking around and you know, just, we're, we're, like, totally hanging with this, like, last DJ, and, you know, just, and I'm just totally mesmerized. And like I said, you know, before, I was under the impression that, like, okay, well, he's controlling percussion with one side and bringing in synths and, you know, other things. He's doing other stuff with this other turntable. Like, I, I totally didn't even comprehend what was actually going on. So then... um I I get so then we ended up having to call somebody to come up and get us. The <laughs> funny story about that is um the friend that came up to get us, uh, was driving an Eagle Talon. Mm. Now if anybody Old remembers a <laughs> turbo right there, son. <laughs> If anybody remembers what an Eagle Talon looks like, it's a very small hatch, yeah. Ha- yeah, hatchback type of thing. And um there was one girl with us and three dudes, uh And
3: you were not fitting comfortably. We were not.
0: Yeah, we were not fitting comfortably in this talent. So like and then if I remember right, the guy brought his girlfriend with him. He didn't realize how many people he was going to have to put cram into this thing. (laughs) So then, you know, me trying to be the gentleman, I said, it's cool. I'll ride in the hatch. (laughs) <laughs> so I rode in the trunk of an Eagle Talon for an hour, hour oh, and
3: a man. half. Nice. <laughs> From with that, Springfield. Post rave funk <laughs> all over you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Probably <laughs> still smiling.
3: <laughs> all
0: the way home. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: And all I
0: kept saying was, man, when am I going to get to do this again? What the hell was that? When when do we get to do that again? Like, And they were like, this happens every weekend. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Yeah and they were like sometimes you got to drive a little bit but yeah yeah it's it's every weekend and i'm like oh i'm sold so after that then that's exactly what it became for years like i was i was doing this stuff for you know year for every every weekend if not you know two three times a month for years
1: so now was, you're you're in the door and you've discovered the music right. what did, what did you take to did you go straight house. to straight to house okay.
0: I, and 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 because it felt good like it was it was like that that funk and the uplift and the you know the horns and just you know it was something to get your you know i mean you know typical house thing jack your body you know yeah. like yeah and
3: yeah man that 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 felt great A Derek may type you know detroit it, warehouse yeah just
0: you know but then i quickly like you know, because not every party was house music all night long, despite the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I I found Booty House around you know very shortly after that, and I was all like, "Oh yeah, it's like house music and Two Life Crew had a baby." <laughs> <laughs> Makes a good connector between the hip hop and house. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: All the hoes yeah. get
0: your booty on the floor right now. You, you, weren't,
3: quite, you weren't quite. You were on the pa- the hip hop patch, right? Right, that was right. A, yeah, that was exactly, exactly. To massage that in. Yeah. So, like
0: through a group of friends of mine, like this guy, he was all like, "Hey, I just bought turntables," and I was all like, "Cool, <laughs> good for you." Like, I, I mean, you know, so that means we're raving at your house every weekend now. Like, is that that's what I just heard? So that's exactly what happened for a short amount of time and the guy's dad was like no you guys need to take this somewhere else but, but those first couple of weekends that we were uh, we were there and you know he had you know, he bought like one of those DJ in a box kits and it was like, you know, the belt driven new marks and, you know, some crappy little two two channel mixer with like little LEDs, the green, yellow, red. You know, what was it like something 1001 or X or something? You know which one I'm talking about. Well, it
1: depends that Gemini had a yeah. package like that, too.
0: Well, yeah, no, this was definitely new. Mark. So, yeah, the
1: NDX or <laughs> something or other something, uh, where yeah. they fanned out yep. like a curve. Yeah. yeah I know yep,
2: yep, you right. know, Remember seeing those. Yep. I don't even think they had numbers yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a right. new mark. It just might have been, yeah.
1: <laughs> the CRP. <laughs> the new mark one. All right.
0: Um, so yeah, no, I, you know, and at that point, uh, you know, so we're we're you know a smaller subset, you know, a much smaller subset. When I say raving at this guy's house, I'm talking like 20 people that are just over, you know, getting tore up and and just having a good time. And uh, you know, of course, he's horrible. You know, I mean, everybody's horrible on belt-driven tables anyway. And I'm like, this doesn't sound anything (laughs) like it does at the parties. Like, what are you doing over there? Like, and so then, like, he's trying to show me what to do. And I'm like, wait, so there's, like, whole tracks there? Like, oh. Oh, that's, you know, I think I said this a couple of, or the last episode, like, that's a lot easier than what I thought, <laughs> you know, famous last
1: words, right? <laughs> but, um, you I know. I think we all kind of
3: had that misconception about right, what yeah, like, DJing yeah. was. It? Yeah at the infancy or when we first got interested
1: I, I had a similar thought because yeah. i the first time i grabbed a set of tables and a mixer it was at a friend's house that he just bought it was a similar dj in yeah. a box thing and he brought him yeah. over to the party and it was on the floor and nobody right. knew what to do with it and so i got i was the only directions i was the only music ish guy around because i already dabbled in production then right. and i was you know i played piano and stuff so i naturally i kind of oh what are, what did are, what, are what does this button do you know right and so I go over there, and I'm like, okay, the, this has instrumental, this has acapella, this must be what the DJ does. You right, know, So right. I started because they were all hip hop records. So I started yeah. doing that, and trying to scratch the acapellas and try to beat match them and line them up. And I'm like, well, whatever it is, it's hard as shit. You know <laughs> right. right. Couldn't, exactly. Couldn't figure out how to get it lined up. And, and, and absolutely. And I was like, and then, then what do I do? Do I just hurry up and throw another track on when mm-hmm. this one's over? Or right. You know. When did
0: yeah. it stop? For <laughs> no. for me. Uh, it, it, that's that's kind of how it all like ended up because like the guy's dad went, finally was like, "You guys got to get this shit out of my house I'm, I can't deal with you guys doing this in my basement all every weekend. So then we go to my house <laughs> <laughs> actually, we went to my mom's, and uh, yeah, so then we set everything up at my mom's house and my mom at the time uh had just gone through a divorce and all of that stuff so she was all like well yeah yeah you guys come on over hang out sure you know she, you know she she was just happy for the company yeah right. come on over guys so then um the guy brought over his turntables one day, and then he just got a little too wasted and said i don't feel like tearing it down uh i'm going to ride home with these people i'll come back and i'll i'll get them later Well, he lived in Colerain. I lived in Lebanon at the time. So that, you know, about 45 minutes difference. So, (laughs) you know, for whatever reason, he just got lazy and didn't really want to come back and pick them up. So I had his turntables for like three months. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, you know, that's when Internet was still like, you know, just really starting to take off and all that stuff. But, like, there was no, like – you know how to dj manual on the internet mm-hmm. either so like it it was very much me just playing around with all of the records that he left there and just trying to listen to stuff like Bad Boy Bill Richard Humpty Vision DJ Henry and all of those you know DJ Dan and all of like the bigger house guys at the time and just try to figure out okay I have this record I have this record and I have this record from these mixtapes you know mm-hmm. so as i'm listening Oh, okay. Now I hear what they're doing. Okay. And then go back and try to mimic that and then try to mix in like my mom's Motown and (laughs) and disco records and stuff like that too. So, I mean, that's how I, I got started. So then when I started buying my own records and marketing myself as a DJ, I'm using air quotes there. Um, I started off with booty house Hmm. because it was so easy. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, very hard, very, just, dis- you know, a lot of it was like really distorted, really compressed, you know, just very simple to the point, like just bam, you know, 140 beats per minute, shake your butt to this, you know, like, <laughs> uh, thankfully over time, my tastes evolved. <laughs> like <laughs> I still love a good booty house, man. Like, I, you know, who doesn't? I know DJ funk, man. Like, <laughs> 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 it's
1: <laughs> tony's shaking his head He's cringing over here right <laughs> right.
0: Now. um but uh yeah so then um uh, similar to tony right around i i think it was right around 2000 maybe maybe late 99 2000 and then i i i by that point i had uh joined up with a crew called collective intelligence and was involved in um you know throwing uh Uh, parties with them and stuff like that and we did this one party with an associated crew and uh this this kid was playing trance music never heard it before Mm. and you know and and it's in a gymnasium it's toward the end of the night and you know i go up and i ask the kid's name and if i i mean i i I know i'm gonna get it wrong it's either seek or seed uh, but he was a local kid out of columbus And, um, he was playing, um, paragliders lithium Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: that, I mean, just hooked me. I mean, I, I was walking around, I was, you know, doing my promoter duties, you know, checking on all the, all the equipment, you know, checking every room and, you know, just, you know, doing general security stuff. But then like, as I came into this room and I was like, holy crap. Like what is that? Like it was real floaty. It was it was perfect for whatever mood my mind was in at that moment because it latched on, and I I sat there for the rest of his his set, and that that just hooked me. You know, for the
2: longest time in the Midwest, well in Ohio, not many people really took on to trance. Right, right. I remember uh, it
0: was the dubstep of I our time. <laughs> Jason
2: Naughty Groove. Yeah, I remember he came back. He was in Italy, if yep. I recall right. He was yep. in Italy. Uh, and he came back. And at the time, Drew and I were about the only two around here that played trance. Everybody else was right. hardcore house, techno, drum and bass. And that was it. Yep. And we kind of got shunned on for playing trance. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, like, um, <coughs> when you and Drew were doing the Jedi and Guru stuff, like, that, I, I very quickly caught on to you guys. And then Jason uh, Naughty Groove started doing his thing. And uh, Jason and I linked up sometime in 2000. And, uh, you know, so then after hooking up with him, you know, he was already hip to all the Renaissance stuff, all mm-hmm. the platypus stuff, all of the huge stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, just all of, all of these, you know, labels that were consistently putting all that stuff out. So I had that luxury of, of being able to latch on to somebody who had spent some time in Europe and was already hip to all of it and told me where to look and how to find it, mm-hmm. um, And uh, so, yeah, I'm forever thankful for that because then, you know, obviously Jason and I uh, became best friends, you know, for anybody locally who knows Jason and I knows that we're like brothers. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from there, Trance uh, caught on. We ended up... uh, uh, Tony, Drew, Jason, myself—I mean, we all kind of blew up and and were in, in our area at least, or at least a bit throughout the Midwest. And we all did a bunch of traveling, and and that was that was really cool.
2: Um, it We'd be millionaires after, if we stuck with it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 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 it only known.
0: it yeah. wasn't until after 2003, then wh- as everything started to go down, that's when I really started expanding my musical uh, palette because then that's it was kind of out of necessity like okay so nobody's booking trance anymore mm-hmm. so we gotta figure out what else to do so then that's when i really started getting into like techno and drum and bass and break beats and all of that i always i had always tinkered around with a little bit of all of it but trance was the mainstay for forever so yeah,
3: yeah.
1: that's so did trance play any role with you mo
3: Yeah that's what i was about to say uh so the guys that I used to DJ with, one of them had gone to some training for about six months from Japan back to the States. And he came back. He's like, dude, you got to check this stuff out. And lo and behold, it was yeah, trance. Right. You know, and I, what my comment was going to be is like, you ever notice how no one ever like, just learns about trance no. by itself? And, Everyone and it's, learns about trance. It's like the, gu- it's
1: like it's the, the g- guilty pleasure afterwards, yeah. too. Like it's the, <laughs> Well, then I really got into then trance. And then I got into progressive <laughs> trance. then i found minimal techno and then i found whatever right like i I found idm and yeah
0: minimal techno that was such a blip wasn't it like i mean quite literally yeah like (laughs) (laughs) but there was like one maybe two years where that was like the thing in detroit and then all of a sudden it just kind of disappeared but yeah. yeah
3: but i do remember vividly uh having a party with a bunch of my friends on the beach just playing trance all night until yeah. the sun came up. Yeah. So
1: trance played a role with me too. It's it it's kinda interesting but I I can pinpoint why for me that that trance clicked. But it's it's fascinating listening to your stories because i'm sitting here listening and all of your stories have like a a real social element to it and you're like yeah i was partying with all these people
2: (laughs) i was was at the club doing
1: this i'm like my story is way nerdier than all that right so tell us your story david yeah i mean if i if i want to really really rewind it i would take it all the way back to to being five and six years old um not necessarily dance music, but getting into the electronic sounds. Sure. Um,
0: like Kraftwerk. And, yeah, yeah. Well, it,
1: um, I have, you know, my dad, to thank for introducing me to Kraftwerk, he listened to a lot of uh, the classics, you know, the Computer Love and mm-hmm. Pocket Calculator and all the, the ones everybody knows. Um, <clears throat> and he had this, he still, actually, I have it now, but he had a CD that was called The Mix, and it was released in 1992, and it's kind of like remixed versions of those mm-hmm. classics that had come out even long time before that. And I used used to listen to that CD constantly. And so that kind of introduced me to the electronic sounds and that that could be music, you know, and also had some of that forward-to-the-floor element to it. It wasn't nearly so slamming as today's, you know, house and techno and stuff. But um, so there was that. And I was also introduced to a lot of just general European um, chill-out and... Uh, just kind of synthy electronic tracks that really didn't have anything to do with dance yet, but it was kind of setting the tone, right? Sure. Um, You take all that and you combine it with an obsession with video games as a kid. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, have you can see, you can see where super, that's going to add up. Yeah, together. I'm super yeah. into synthesizers right off the bat. All so, that
3: eight bit stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, eight bit played a huge role. Um, specifically, the Commodore 64, mm-hmm. which had it's called the SID chip, which is like the audio interface for an old Commodore 64. And this thing, it was like a th- three voice polyphony. I mean, it it couldn't do a whole lot, but it has a very distinct sound, and it had very it had these filters on it that are iconic, you know, and it just has this gritty analog sound to it. And it's one of those things that just, it reels me in and brings me back to a certain point in my childhood, right? So then I have right. all these kind of sounds buzzing around in my head. You have these visceral recollections of yeah. of where you heard those sounds and mm-hmm. what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. and And discovering that these little buzzy noises could make really interesting music and really, you know, complex melodies and and uh really from a young age appreciated the kind of music that came out of that chip tune limitation you know what i mean right um fast forward a little bit continuing the geekiness maybe into middle school beginning high school um, I've already been, you know, building computers for years and and stuff. And I was, I had sort of a a mentor that was helping me build a machine. And we, this was back when they used to have uh, computer fest. You know, have like computer shows and everybody have a booth and you'd go and buy all your parts at a discount and. You know, Hair Arena, one weekend yeah, only it's like sunday <laughs> sunday sunday right. it was like comic-con
3: without all the fun stuff you know? <laughs> right right
0: so. comic-con when they
3: actually had comic books <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went to one of those a <laughs> bunch of nerds that all right. like sweat and
1: hot pockets no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was one of them <laughs> nice so i'm building a new computer and this you know i'm with this couple they're older you know maybe 10 years older than I am, and he's kind of teaching me the ropes because I didn't know a lot about hardware at the time. And he starts listening to some music, I don't know, what, probably some video game soundtrack or something, and the wife goes, what is it with you computer geeks and that techno music? And then just for whatever reason, that stuck in my head, like, you know why have I never explored that techno music? That seems like something I'd be into. Yeah, natural I'm inclination. Yeah, <laughs> I love video game music. I love synths. Like why have I never really sought this out? So we're talking, you know, the beginning of the two thousands, um, and so I start seeking it out. Back then, I, I'll say Googled. I don't even know if it was Google. I was probably Web Crawler <laughs> or Ask right. Jeeves or some crap. And maybe I Yahoo. started certain. Search- maybe Yahoo. It was probably <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. And I was searching around and I came across mp3.com. And yep. this was when mp3 was brand new technology and we were still all on 56k modems. <laughs> and so,
3: <Right>. you know, <laughs> leave the computer on overnight,
1: download a couple tracks, yeah, wake hey, up, yeah, and. Couple <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I, it took me two weeks to download Gladiator, the movie. But anyway. <laughs> Uh,
0: I think I got it right <laughs> somewhere
1: <laughs> so I found mp3.com and they had it was kind of like Beatport where they had charts you know but it was all free music it was all amateur producers mm-hmm. and I discovered so I started searching for techno on there and kind of found some stuff and I was like yeah it's alright it was all definitely amateur techno right, right. <laughs> so I found some stuff found a couple tracks I liked and then I, I came across groups that were named like trance control and stuff like that and I'm like what is this trance thing and so I started seeking that out and I'm like oh it's like techno but like with pretty stuff in it you know like it's got melodies and stuff and like that's what I was looking for I was looking yeah. for those synth sounds you are
0: looking for ATB yeah, exactly.
1: And and super saws I was all right. you know. Oh, yeah. I, I loved that, the big that, cheesy, you know. Oh yeah, supersaw. That was sound.
0: the signature sound of progressive yeah. trance. Was the super saw for sure.
1: So I found I found some stuff there. Down started downloading stuff off the the top charts. Found tranceaddict.com dot com. Started yeah, getting yeah. involved from so web forums and and that that kind of thing was my introduction to the the scene as it were. Hmm. Um, so and then Napster comes along, right? So then I start, I'm like, oh, Napster, now I can find more of this trance stuff. So I would just type trance and see what can, and you would just download everything because right. we had no idea what to look for. Right. I didn't even realize that there was a larger scene. I didn't know about Sasha and Digweed and Tiesto and BT and all these big names. I didn't even know right. that was a thing. I thought this was just a little niche micro community hmm. of people making this amateur music. right? Um, and so through these web forums and stuff, I discovered these other big names, like oh, this is a this is a thing. There's a following. There's you know, in it. a community. Yeah, right. and so I kind of I came into it through all these nerdy computer channels. <laughs> <laughs> um, found FL Studio, you know, started producing music, and like I've talked about in other episodes, kind of wanted to find a way to perform that music, and that's what introduced me to DJing, and then that introduced me to all the clubs and shows and okay. the what was left of the rave scene and and all that so it's i'm i'm kind of like the reverse here i I came into the events through the music right you know
2: what'd you listen to before all that
1: um a lot of hip-hop some rock um it was my, my musical tastes have always been very random um I don't know. It's really hard to pinpoint down. Even classical music, like it's just, just like, all kinds
2: of random stuff in metal. Yeah, yeah it was the same way. I mean, yeah, it just shows that we were open minded enough to actually it, accept it.
3: That's really interesting because I, I, I was one of those kid gamers too, and I wonder mm. if that had. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but oh yeah, the
2: first game that I ever heard that type of music was Wipeout oh, on Nintendo okay. Six. I think sixty four. Oh, and Atom
3: Bomb, right? Was on there. I believe that, yeah, they, they, yeah 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 they had like a pretty killer soundtrack yeah, it was all
2: like trancey yeah yeah it was it was
3: no but I'm talking going back even further with that eight bit I think it was uh, Mario Karate Kid or something or Karatika or something
2: oh
1: I was I was gonna or no
3: Mike Tyson's Punch Out even
1: yeah da- dun, 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 and say that nin, that Nintendo yeah. sound was had its own distinct nature as yeah, well just yeah. I mean it's distinct from the Commodore sound Commodore, I was describing right. but they you can always tell. This was either made with or like even modern chip tunes. This yeah. was made with an NES. This was made with a Game Boy. This right. was made with you know.
0: Well, and I forget, what, distinct... I forget what Nintendo system it was, but one of them uh, what was it Mario Paint, mm. and you know that was like Super you,
1: Nintendo. It was that Super, I think.
0: Yeah, and you could you know draw on you know mm-hmm. do stuff on the on the screen, but it had like a little music uh, thing where yeah you could like. You know, place the notes and do all of the stuff, and then it oh, would like okay. you know that was kind
2: of PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, wasn't it? Uh, I, mm. thought it
1: was, I, I thought it was.
0: A I thought it was an. I
2: play.
1: wanted that. I think it was. It was Disney. It was some Disney S- game, Super Nintendo, because yeah, they came out. They came out Mario. with a mouse accessory for it. Yeah, and it had the little Nintendo yeah. colors of the time, the like purplish gray. Yeah,
0: yeah, but um, I always loved playing with that. Like, yeah, yeah that was pretty cool.
1: So, oh, a question. So, I just want to say uh, from Napster. So I started typing in like trance, trance music, whatever I could find and download everything. And then it would it would pop up like hour long trance mix and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I would just start downloading them. And I I still had no idea what a DJ set was, which is basically what this was, was an hour long trance mix. And in my head, I'm like, somebody made this hour long trance song. That must have taken yeah. forever, you know. Thinking that they just produced it all in a row. Yeah, you didn't have the visual reference
3: to put it all together. Yep, and I right.
1: and there was it wasn't labeled, you know. I nobody properly la- tagged MP3s back then. It was no. all just whatever was yeah. in the file name. Yep and so it would just say hour long trance mp 3 or something
0: everything was done um, by Fatboy Slim back then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think I found one there was
1: a there was a guy uh, DJ Irish and Essential Trance 5 and I finally figured out what one of them was and that was one of like the early influ but it was like like 140 to 145 bpm like doof doof, doof <laughs> kind of trance but it was it had it was structured like a proper DJ set like an old school and you could tell it was vinyl it had the crackle in mm-hmm. and stuff uh, yeah. and and it had a progression from, you know, it started somewhere, it peaked, and, and then, it ended somewhere, yeah. and Took that taught me something really, really fast about what trance was supposed to be about, right? Which then really influenced what I want to do as a DJ, you know, later down the road is that like it, I try to tap into that kind of hypnotic nature of what that mm-hmm. was supposed to be, yeah, you know, yeah. So, um, do you guys find that like? pieces of your childhood or pieces of your musical like your your musical taste before you were into dance music does that still have an influence on what you like now because i i still like if i'm shopping for music that i want to play out and i hear something that like fits with my sound but has a little bit of that like commodore synth sound in it or reminds me of a Kraftwerk track or something from my childhood i'm like this feels like me i need mm-hmm. to make this part of my sound and put it in there does
2: is that as, just
1: me? Or? As far as my DJ sets? Yeah. Uh,
0: it, sometimes.
1: I know um, for you, like the you had mentioned before that when you were introduced to drum and bass and you heard it layered with hip hop and right. something clicked for you, and right. that was because yeah, you were into hip hop before Daddy, and it jungle right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, especially when I'm playing drum and bass or if I'm producing drum and bass, if I have any opportunity to kind of put that... That hip hop element or some kind of a rap element into it, then I'm all over it. Um, but that it for that genre, it doesn't always have to be that, it doesn't always fit. So, um, that's where I reach into other influences. But as far as like, uh, my, my techno of any other 4 4 break beats, things like that, like, well, break beats, you know, kind of follows that same thing because it's just kind of slowed down drum and bass or drum and bass is sped up breaks, but um uh yeah i i i I tend to look for other other influences that you know just things for me to connect with
1: yeah
0: but uh yeah i I mean but because my my tastes are just as varied and eclectic like i listen to all kinds of stuff like like you said i don't i am not a country fan at all Mm -hmm. but you know there's that you know subset of country or there's you know there's you know a handful of songs that when they come on i'm, I'm not mad yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, like
3: one of those incidental things you're driving around and surfing for stations the next thing you know you're kind of you're listening to the mexican channel you know, <laughs> right you're just right. like that's kind of cool yeah. you're like wait a minute i've been listening to this for like an hour i used to do that in texas all the time yeah i'd find my i didn't understand a lick of
1: what they were saying but whatever they were laying down just like fit my mood Right. You know, when I was in the car that, at that time. Well, it's you know. funny you say that, too, because I'm, I'm one of those people that I'll, I'll hear the same song, like, a million times and have no idea what the words are. Like, yep. mm-hmm. And, like, I'll know what the words sound like, mm. you know what I mean? But I won't have them memorized to where I can recite them. Right. So mm. it's like I'll, I'll just kind of be, like, going along with the song. I know I can predict it. I yeah. can hear it in my head. But there's unless i'm really paying attention i I pay so much more attention to melody and the musical elements than than the lyrics you know which i don't think is the case for a lot of people like uh probably with my wife it's the opposite she really gets into the lyrical content and the meaning of the song and that kind of stuff and and she'll notice things way before i do about the content of the song right i think a lot of it depends on what you're listening
3: to because if it's rap like i'm dissecting what you're saying
1: yeah you know it depends for me yeah like, what I, am I listening to like bass banging trap music yeah. that has no point, or am I listening to like Nas or yeah. you well, know? Because for
3: me, rap is like you know, kind of like my my foundation, mm. like you guys were saying. You know, like, uh, when we're talking about, uh, I think what, what were you talking Uh, damn, what group, but you're talking about how they tell a story
2: either oh, far side, farside, side. yeah, you're yeah. talking about,
3: yeah, uh, running. You know, just telling a story and, you know, listening to the the lyrics and just how they all blend together to make this magical sound. Right, right. You know, where if it's just, you know, bitches and hoes and... (laughs) You know, know, I'm like, I I just, I I, I dial it out.
0: Well, and that that has its place, but, like, yeah, for me, like, you know, especially because that's that's the part of rap that, like, took off, but Mm -hmm. I'm just like... All right, it all has its place, but you know, I I, I definitely look for you know, for other substance when I'm listening to something for more, and en- you know, more for enjoyment mm-hmm. reasons. But so my question uh, to you guys, if if what we're calling this episode is how I fell fa- fell for dance music, we've all described the how, but how would uh, what would you say is the why, like? I would imagine, and I'm just going to speculate for a minute, that at least for the three of us, you touched on this point already, David. That you know we kind of got into it in, in a social aspect. So at least even with as much as we may like the sound, the beats, the 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 structure, the uh, the mechanics, you know, everything that goes into making a song a song, and everything that goes into making a DJ set for whatever type of dance music we're talking about there's still that big social element that is probably like calling back you know that that nostalgia factor i know at least for me i know that like every time i walk into a club to play like there's still that piece of me that remembers what it was like to be 18 19 years old and getting on a stage for the first time and you know banging out a great set and having a good time with all of my I friends i was actually a that.
2: dancer i actually right, danced right so that's what really pulled me before even the social aspect. Right. Cause I was a break dancer. I was going to the teen clubs at 13, 14 years old and right. really kid and play, kick step and running nice. man. And I was mm-hmm. doing it, you yeah. know, I got voted best dancer in high school. Now you barely ever see me walking. I got cement feet now. But <laughs> right, right, that's right. what really pulled me to it.
0: So, um, so you <clears> kind <throat> of touched on that. Do, do you, do you, uh, do you think that, the the love that we have for that is more uh, of the part of that social aspect, and for you, would you say that that's like more of a a uh, a callback to like with your dad and all like the there uh, and the reason I ask that is because like I read something not too long ago about like you know the um, the synergy the biology of Mm -hmm. how music in the brain. It, you know it, it, how it affects your brain and and how it affects in your emotions and 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 starts you know uh charging up those those neural pathways. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think the context of the article was why do some people get chills when they listen mm-hmm. to music that ah. sort of thing. So like you know, if we've all described how we got there, but you know, now that we're here, why are we still here? Why do gotcha. we love it,
1: mm-hmm. you know? So there are there are a number of ways i can approach that but the you know there's there is something to be said for i just like the music right right and so regardless of whether or not there are memories for me to attach to it um i still like it and so i don't necessarily need an external reason to keep liking the sound agreed right um but there are a number of of musical elements in any given song that will give me some sort of callback response to childhood or to some show that I went to or, or something. So you got to realize I've even me having been introduced to the scene so much later than you guys, I'm still almost a decade in now. So it's not like I just started making memories as far as as the shows go. Absolutely. But when I'm playing and when I'm deciding what to play, I do try to make my sound have something to do with where I came from. Um, sometimes that's intentional, and sometimes I think that just happens. Right. Um, there's a YouTube video floating around out there somewhere of Tony and Drew playing at Mask.
2: I, I know exactly which video. You, the, Doug Collins actually posted that. Yeah,
1: it's 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Um, and they're playing a song by D. and Beckers, and it's kind of a uh, tech housey song but it has a big synthy kind of trancy lead part to it mm-hmm. and that lead sound reminds me very much of the kind of Commodore sounds that I was talking about earlier kind of 8-bit bleepy bloopy sounds and when I heard that song it brought me to a, a certain place and I I connected to it and that that memory really stuck with me because it was like I I felt suddenly like I had common ground with what those guys were doing up there, who I didn't know very well at the time, um, versus what I was hearing, and then so immediately I started wondering, why do they like that? What right. what from their childhood made them like this sound, you know, and that kind of thing. And so it just it gives you a certain connection, a certain synergy that it wouldn't have otherwise been possible had there not been a DJ there, All right. And and just like last night when you were playing your set and you
3: dropped that one track at about twenty minutes in, I was like, "He dropped this breakbeat and it was tight." And it it, it brought me back to the days of wearing my Adidas jumpsuit and my (laughs) shell toes on my cardboard, you know, and and just getting loose. And that, and and so, you know, like you said, having that connection with that individual that's that's DJing without even knowing who they
1: are and knowing that you can bond somehow. And it's cool. It's it's like a it's like a psychological experiment because whenever. You know, there might be a reason that I'm I'm introducing that kind of gritty breakbeat or that eight bit lead or something. There's some reason that I like that, and when I play an element like that, and somebody in the crowd reacts, or even better yet, multiple somebody's it's rewarding. It suddenly right. feels like we we've shared something there. There's something in our past that makes us relate to what just happened, right? You know, right. and I just.
3: You facilitated that.
1: that. Yeah, that right. gives me a, kind of an endorphin rush that that gets me excited and makes me just feel like I'm having some level of communion with whoever is is listening and, and truly feeling it. And that's probably why, that's not why I like the music, but that's why I like sharing it with right. people.
0: And for me, just to piggyback on that, mm-hmm. is that not the biggest rush when you get that? Uh, that response. That response. And then, you know, I don't know about you guys but like even if I sat here before a show and you know you know created a crate of you know 10 15 20 tracks that this is what I'm going to pull from for the night if I get the right response off of the right track then I'm digging into the sea of gigs of, of tracks to try and find something that's just a little bit better mm-hmm. than what yeah. I had already picked out. And I'm like, look, like I got to continue that. I got to, I got to keep that, that, that thing up. And I'm glad that you answered the way that you did, because like I said, you know, whether it's you coming into it from a social aspect or you come from, you know, a, a discovery aspect, you know, ultimately to your point, we're all in that social aspect now. And as DJs, we're really like uh we're really interconnected on so many levels now and synergy i think we've we've said we've said that word in this episode at least a few times now and i think there's really no better term for it than that and that's that's one of the things about electronic music that that i love
3: and talking about that connectedness when i was on my deployment last year you know being able to do those shows To give those men and women an opportunity to forget about why they were there, why Mm -hmm. we were there in that country and to just see them shake their asses for four hours straight, you know, sweating and just getting it. And like you drop a break and they just go nuts. You know, it was so, you know, I'm proud to serve my country. Uh, I I love my country. Absolutely. but, But to help those guys just relax for just a few hours and I remember texting my wife after that happened I was like because I I hadn't experienced that because you know I grew up for a little while and you know the reason why I had to stop DJing he's a as of today he's a senior in high school (laughs) and you know it was it was by choice sure sure. because I had choices to make and I felt that was a more responsible choice but thank my wife Melissa I love you very much she's the reason why um she facilitated me getting back into DJing Mm. and being able to do that for those people I immediately got off the set and I was almost in tears because it was so rewarding to see what I could do for those people right. just for that short period of time. And I'm getting a little choked up right yeah. now. Yeah. And I remember texting her, I was like, baby, thank you so much for letting me do this again. Because, you know, I, and not, not that I was ever lacking anything, but it made me feel like I did, you know, 15 years ago. Right. You know, dropping beats, you know, on the beach and stuff like that. And, you know, short short of having children that's probably one of the coolest things you can ever do, you know, for, for people you don't know right. who automatically love you. right? You know? Whether so. it's
0: DJing or, or whatever it is, but, you know, I, I feel like a lot of ways, you know, DJing can be whatever you make it to be. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, it is. It's serving others.
2: Plus right. a lot of people on that same wavelength... Right, you know, to where you all connect, and there's just no feeling like that. Right. music amazing. was their
1: escape, and you were that avenue for them yeah. to have that. So and thanks for your service yeah. in oh, more cool. ways it's than once. Thank, Thank you very much. Yeah, that's going to wrap. Your support. That's mm-hmm. going to wrap it up, man. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Mo, again, it's, it's great to have you. And again, total
3: privilege. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for what you guys do for the community, especially you know because. Uh, I'm sure that everybody out there listening will will agree that you guys are putting out a quality product that's helping a lot of people get to where they want to be, if nothing else, showing them where they need to go. So
0: Thanks, man. We appreciate that. It means a lot lot to hear stuff like that, for sure.
1: All right, everybody, take care. Uh, Let's do a call to action. Go to passionatedj.com forward slash 54. That's the show notes page for this particular episode. If you go to the left-hand side, there are various share buttons for Facebook, Twitter, Google+, whatever. Hit them all! Hit them all, <laughs> or at least one. Push all the buttons. <laughs> Give us a share. We would love the support. And we will see you next time on the Passionate DJ Podcast. Ciao. See you. Later! Later. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at
0: www.passionatedj.com Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at dj with passion. And always remember to keep on spinning I need you I want you Alright, so how I fell for dance music
3: what? Oh, I was thought um, you guys like sung the
1: intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do we haven't sung the intro yet. Oh, okay. oh yeah, that's right. Um stop the algorithm's gonna pick you up when we're gonna <laughs> when We're gonna get banned from SoundCloud.
0: <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> we really should do something about that. <laughs> yeah, Come I've never get. really been one to kind of pigeon my hole pigeon pigeon my hole. <laughs> <laughs> please, don't, please don't leave that You're in. Have don't worry, I'm not eating. Yeah. <laughs> please don't pigeon my hole. Put that on the outtakes.
0: That is totally going in the outtakes.
3: <laughs> it's really interesting, though. That try that again. You talk about the video game.